Communication is changing, and in more ways than we ever could have imagined. And in the last few years alone, technology has dramatically increased in terms of the role it plays in our life, and that's just going to continue happening as more time passes. This season of the Nightcap Podcast has been focusing on the intricacies of our modern world, focused on thinking and reflecting on the world that we live in, but also considering the future that we're headed towards. I recorded this episode first before I recorded anything else for this season, and to me, it quantifies some of the most important topics that we can discuss about the future, because tech has an increased role in our life every year, it seems, and it's something that we all have to think about and consider. If you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Jonathan Sherburn. You can find me on Twitter at John underscore Sherburn. My website, www.jonathansherburn.com, has all of my other content as well as show notes for the podcast. And with that, I think we're going to kick the show off. I'm John Sherburn, and this is the Nightcap Podcast. Jeez, I didn't even see this was recording. I was too busy on my phone, texting a friend, scrolling through social media, maybe watching a, a YouTube video of a squirrel getting catapulted across a field. Well, not really. But that seems to be what we're doing most of the time. It seems that we spend most of our days and frequently most of our nights glued to our cell phones, communicating with people we're driving around, we're on the public transportation, we're watching television, we're watching movies, we're listening to podcasts. And yet, as full as our days are with technology, entertainment, circuit boards and wires, in some ways people feel more empty, more isolated, more confused than ever, and it leads us to wonder why. Why are we so unfulfilled? I'm telling you, my desk is pretty full right now. I got two monitors. I got my audio equipment on the floor, on the desk. I got the mixer in the corner. I got my PlayStation with its controller and the headphones. I got everything. And yet, I sit here in my desk chair. Oh, jeez. Kicking my microphone stand. I sit here unimpressed. Unimpressed. I, I have thousands of dollars of equipment and cameras and all these things, and yet it feels like I got nothing. It feels, you get used to it, right? You get used to it, you want the next camera that has a better picture. You want another microphone that can cut away my loud-ass laptop fan. You want a laptop that doesn't have a loud-ass fan. It seems as though you can't get ahead in this crazy world. And I must wonder, what was life before all this? Ah, play that memory music that goes flashback well, i wonder what it was like back when my parents or grandparents were young and they didn't have to worry about anything they could just walk down the sidewalk play stickball with their friends have a good uh egg cream or something like that makes you want to go back and that's something maybe you i have a flashback whether it's the older population say oh things were so much better when we were kids nowadays you gotta go outside you gotta go outside more you gotta talk to your Go go see your grandmother. That kind of you see you hear that you hear kids saying, "I wish if I could go back in time, I'd want to live in the seventies. It would be so nice." Everyone wants to be anywhere but here, and yet we have more time than ever. I'm telling you, I'll tell you this. You trust me. You trust me. I do my research. We have more on average time per week than ever before throughout the 20th century and before it. We spend less time working 
but we also spend less time feeling satisfied. If you ask, uh, there was a survey where most adults surveyed think they have less time than ever before. They feel they feel like they're overworked more than ever. They have to work more. But on average, the average household spends about 10 hours a week with more free time. And yet we fill our free time more, which ends up feeling like less time. Hmm. Dear listener, I wonder why that is. I wonder if maybe it's because we have these fancy little things in our pockets, these personal computing devices. We have televisions, computers all wrapped into one. We have calculators, books. We have everything all wrapped into one, ready to go, mobile, side holstered. And maybe that, maybe that's why we feel so empty. It's very easy to go on the internet and to see what your friends have to say and your family has to say and you can see what they're tweeting and their statuses and you can see what your favorite famous people are talking about and you can almost feel more connected to them than ever. You can sit, you can make podcasts where y'all are listening to me right now. You're in your car listening to me, John Sherburn, talking, 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 just like I'm sitting in that car next to you. But in reality, I'm not in that car, dear listener, as I'm sure you know. In reality, when you're watching that third hour of television, there is nobody in that room with you. You're not really doing anything at all. You're just sitting in a chair in the dark with funny images flashing in front of you in a sequence that you can understand and remember and tell your friends the next day. You're in your bed on TikTok scrolling. But when you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, you're not going to say, oh, what a full night I had. You're going to say, I I remember two of those memes and they were damn funny. And they were funny. And I'm not going to be that jaded asshole telling you to not go on your phone and have a TikTok and watch television because that stuff's important. It matters because we want it to matter. It matters because we like it. It's funny. It's just, it's just, we've always had entertainment, right? It used to be watching guys get mauled by lions in coliseums. And now it's watching guys put on like buckets on their head naked and run around the yard or something. And yet it's entertainment. So it is important. But what's more important than being entertained is understanding the impact of that entertainment. And we are currently in a space where that's difficult. I've called it for a while now the Wild West of the personal technology, information age, you can call it, whatever you want to say, right? We have these cell phones that have come around recently in the last 20 years. No one really understands. You look up, I do my research, right? I'm looking up the studies for this stuff. And the one thing every study says is like, we don't know the impact. We don't know really if, if Facebook is linked to depression. We don't know really if more screen time equals more or less of this, that, or the other thing. We don't know any of it. And so without this knowledge of how we should be interacting with it, yet we still go forward. We still move quicker and quicker every year with new phones, with more capabilities and connectivities and iWatches and smart pads and everything. And it makes you wonder, should we be thinking more? And and I think the average person is starting to. There's a huge, huge push for us to put our phones down more have like days without it, lock it in the drawer, or my, I, can you believe these kids have cell phones at age 10? My kids won't have cell phones then. Uh, it's a big conversation. I was just talking to my sister who recently had a child and they're talking themselves about how integrated they want their kid to be. And I brought up the very real possibility that their kid could be more integrated than we are even aware of being possible today. The future is coming fast. And so in this episode of the autumnal season, of Nightcap, I'm going to be focusing on that exact concept. I'm going to be focusing on the future of communication and the future of our technologies. And and I, the reason I'm doing this is because, like I've said, this is a time for thinking and reflecting and remembering, but also a time for looking forward. This 
year is a good time to look forward. This is the beginning of a decade that we looked back on um, in terms of the decisions we make about it. This is going to be, this is time for, you know, Generation Z is coming up right now. Finally, we got some uh, opinions. We can start forming. We're going to see, we're seeing the baby boomer generation kind of uh, starting to hit its decline and fall off in terms of influence. Millennials are finally not the young kid on the block anymore. They're adults with children and families in 401ks, some of them. And so all of that, all of that together, we have to make some real decisions. And there's no way for us to make decisions without thinking. And so today, in this fall, blistery October afternoon, it's a good time to think about the future of technology and our relationship to it. And I think that's a good focus point for our episode today. To me, it's interesting to think about how different communication is now compared to most of our history. If you think about how we spent so much of our time here on planet Earth, most of human history has worked kind of like this. You wake up in the morning, you have your family around you. You can speak to them about the dreams you had last night, your plans for the day, your expectations, your exacerbations, all those things. You go outside your house, you can talk to people on the street. You go to work, you go to school, wherever you're going. You can talk to your coworkers, your peers, your classmates. You can get that much of your world out. At most, you're influential in your town or city. You can talk at the meetings and go to the things and protest locally, right? But you can really only get that much out. Only the rare king status, queen status human being can impact the world more than that. That is a majority of, of, of the population. And some people liked that, right? Some people really like that small town communal aspect. They like the ability to have deep, intense relationships with a small group of people that you can influence and work with and grow from. But some people want more. Who, you ask? Who wants more? I'll tell you who wants more, dear listener. I'm talking printing press. I, I, I feel like we're kind of at a crossroads where, similarly to when the printing press got invented, right? For the first time ever, boom, mass media, right? You don't have to hand transcribe a book anymore. You don't have to, to individually write someone a note and give it to them. It can be mass produced. It can be mass shared. It was crazy. A lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people said, no way. I don't know if we like this. I don't know if we want this mass production there's a level of quality you want to maintain. And we're almost at a similar place right now where I can speak to someone in China, boom, click of a button. I can have a concert or I can stream a video game and have thousands of people watching it. That's never happened. That's the amount of power that only a select few have had historically. And yet now we all have it. Everybody can do it. You just got to be good enough to. And that's kind of scary. It's really scary to think about the fact that dozens and dozens of people listen to these words that I'm saying right now. What's... Why are you listening to me? Turn it off. I'm not smart. I don't know what I'm talking about. And yet you hear that power. There needs to be a Spider-Man reference. Responsibility to it. We have to have responsibility to ourselves. And, and it's not that I have to have responsibility myself and to y'all. Because you guys have equal ability. We all have to be responsible as a collective with each other. With the way we as a society are choosing to view these things. It's kind of crazy to think about. I'm not going to go too far into my amazement on how technology works because you all understand this. You all understand the concepts of how we can communicate with each other. But in reality, most of us aren't thinking about the future of this, the impacts this is going to have because the future is coming. It's not going to stop. And that's as much as I can lament about the way things I would like them to be or the way things I feel like should be. It doesn't matter. 
because I was at a conference listening to someone speak recently, and it was really interesting um, to think about some of these words. She said, it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter if you think it's correct, right, ethically, morally, whatever. It's going to happen. Businesses are going to continue to make their products as long as governments let them. And governments are going to continue to let them as long as it's good for the economy and good for the future and good for um, the way the world views us. And so it's going to happen. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of technology because there's no point. It is going to happen. I don't agree with that fully. I think to a point she's right. Unless, I will say, unless we decide we don't want this. And this is what I'm kind of going to poise today as the main concept. These changes I'm going to speak on will happen. They will have big impacts on our societies. Unless we decide we don't want them. And if we decide we don't want them, that itself will also have an impact on our societies. As of now, I will say the human species, even just in the United States alone, doesn't seem to be on a united front enough to stop these changes from occurring. So until we get to a point where all of us can sit down and say, I don't want this. I don't want more connectivity. I don't want more technology. I don't want more ease of access or more constant connectivity. If we don't ever get to that point, it's going to happen. So I will operate on the rest of this episode on that opinion that it's going to happen. And if you don't like what I'm about to be saying, then that's your key. That's your cue to say, Let's do it differently. But if we don't do it differently, there are some major changes that are going to happen. I'm going to start with the personal, uh, our personal buddy here in our pocket, the cellular phone. Because I think the cell phone is b- the biggest thing. Cell phones are new. They've only been around for about 20, 30 maybe years, depending on how cool you were back in the 90s. Um, and cell phones are kind of crazy, right? Uh, when I was young... I remember my dad got his first BlackBerry. All cell phones really were were a communicative tool. They kind of made already existing modes of conversation easier. Instead of writing letters, you could write texts or emails, right? Instead of sending emails, you could write texts. Instead of phone calls, which have been around since my grandma was a kid, pretty much, you can call on the phone pretty mobily. Interesting new concepts of portable music curated based on your specific interests. That was kind of cool and kind of new. And when I was a young man, when I was first getting into iPods and cell phones, social media came out, bang. All of a sudden, there's already a point, Google, right? You can constantly have answers. That in itself is interesting. But all of a sudden, boom, you can constantly be communicating with everybody on a massive scale. And I don't even think that we really recognize the impact that has. So many young people I know are upset about their relationships with their cell phones. Like, I use Instagram too much. I scroll too much. I don't like this. I don't like that. And yet, they find themselves unable to not do it. It is an addiction. So much of us have an addiction in some way or another, whether it's you're scrolling on Reddit or you're on TikTok or you're on Instagram or you're checking Twitter every day or whatever. We can't walk away. And I think that's a huge, a huge concept. I think that's a huge individual concept, that idea that we can't walk away. If you think about most of human history, our technologies were relegated to the desks they sat on, right? They, they were relegated to if you were physically there with them, you were using them. But it would kind of force you to not use them for too long. If you think about it, right? Uh, it's okay to scroll on Instagram, but you're sitting there for like, you know, every 10 minutes or 20, 30, 40 minutes or whatever. You're checking Instagram all day long, all day long. It's the equivalent of you watching TV all day long. 
if you were pulling out your phone and you were watching 20 minutes of television and I'm on the bathroom, I'm taking a shit, I'm going to watch some more television, I'm on lunch break, I'm going to watch some more of that television, what would you be? You'd be addicted to that show. You must be watching the fucking Sopranos or something because you would be addicted to that television show. And yet we don't feel the same way because there's a level of, I think it's a subconscious level of, these are people I know. These are people I like. So it's all right. It's not weirdly mindless. It's not another person's life. It's my life. I'm looking at my feed with my friends or my interests. So it seems less of a step away from reality. But, dear listener, I will say I disagree with that. It is a step away from reality because I, I also watch these echo chambers. I watch these Instagram feeds that are nothing like reality. I, I have people I know who look nothing on their profiles like they do in real life. Or if you look at their feed, you look at their photos. Oh my gosh. There's five pictures of her hiking and there's seven pictures of him kayaking and they're always at these parties and dressed up and at the bars and, uh, and then you realize that in real life they're not doing all that. Most of these people aren't doing all that. It's just that every three weeks they do something interesting and they post it and then it looks like it's all they're doing. And you realize these people are creating these faces for the internet, just like you create faces in real life. But we pretend they're not that. We pretend they're not a break from reality. And yet, they are. And yet, they're simply a part of the more complex picture of being human. But I see people that are so addicted to it that it matters so much that it's they're in the middle of a moment they're taking photos. Or, can you stop? Well, I want to do this instead. Or, can you repeat that joke? I want to get it for the, the TikTok or the Instagram. And I, I think that that is where it gets kind of dicey because I think that is where it gets into, hmm, I think that's where it gets into the dangerous territory, the territory of not living in your life actively, but, but curating your life. And so it can be the life you want to have. And I think that is where it starts to jump in to some of the depressive symptoms. And that's, there's a lot of studies that talk about that. There's studies from the uh, National Institute of Health um, and, and, and others that have been compiling data for years. And they're really, it's kind of tough. There's uh, a lot of dissidence in terms of what actually is happening in terms of how it's infecting our brains. There are certain studies that say it causes depression and anxiety and feelings of loneliness and isolation. And there's others that say it's good for your brain, it's good for your stimulation, it allows people to have this connection to the world around them, and there's a million things in between. And so what I will say, I think, to take away from that then, since we, again, don't have answers, we don't know, we're in the Wild West here, what I will say then is that it's important to think about your personal usage. If it Relate the way you use your technology to anything else, the way you use social media to anything else, and if you aren't comfortable with the way that would work in something like television or movies or books, if you think... If reading book, a book all the time, right, you're at work, you're at school, you're with your friends, you're at home, you're in bed at night all night long, you stay up for two hours. If you think that's obsessive behavior, then I challenge you to say what's the difference with your TikTok or with your Instagram. I challenge you to think about the impacts of the, what you're doing because there are definitely impacts. I think that's a huge thing to think about. There's, It's not like this stuff doesn't have an impact. It's just what is the impact on you? I have found myself that using too much of this stuff's negative. I don't like it. I don't really care for it. It doesn't, like Reddit I'll use almost too much. So sometimes I get rid of it off my phone. Other times I have it on there, kind of a cycle. But I try to limit how much I'm on my phone. I'm not always answering my Snapchat. I'm not always texting people that are important to me. It's important to take more time for yourself. 
if you take away things like the video games and the phones and stuff, you're going to find you have more time for yourself to take a walk, to sit by yourself and just think, to to uh, do something creative, a project you've been thinking about. That stuff is equally, if not more important than communicating socially. I'll bring this back to what I was saying in the beginning of the podcast, how we're a social creature. Because we are a social creature. It's needed. We're living in 2020. I, I, I don't like to talk about this word too much because I hate dating myself. But this is a time of coronavirus. And so as a result, we are all dealing with the impacts of isolation more than we can really understand at the moment. More of us are depressed than ever. More of us are feeling off kilter, off balance, unhappy with our lives than ever. Because we are so used to seeing a couple dozen people a day. Or we're so close to communicating with a dozen people a day. Whatever. And now it's like you have the five people in your life. You have, especially like college students or something like that. Or if you've just recently made a move or a big change. It's one thing if you're in a city with all your friends are in the city and your family all lives there or something and you guys can all see each other all the time. But for a lot of people, you're seeing one to five people on an average basis and you're not used to that. And so for those people, stuff can be very difficult right now. And so I think that is, it's, it's good to accept that and okay to think about that. But don't fall into the pits of like fake social stuff. Don't fall into the pit of... Being on Instagram gives me that boost because it'll make the low a lot lower. It'll make that isolated feeling a lot worse. It's easy, especially if you're sitting at home right now, to just have your phone on all the time. But I think it is negative for your brainwaves. It's negative for your chemicals. It's just not good for you to do. And so I think it's very important to think about the uh, implications of this, to think about I don't know how, how, how important it is for you to, to do other things. I'm not going to sit on this for too long because I, I think that, well, I think that that's going to be kind of a waste of your guys' time. I'm sure you understand. So this will bring me to the future aspect. I've talked about how autumn, fall is a time for reflecting and how this episode is going to be reflecting on the way we communicate and moving it into the future. So that's exactly how I'm going to be talking. Let's get into a little more technical stuff for a minute. There's been a separation for most of the 20th century in terms of our technology. I talked about how it was relegated to desks and to your house and to different areas. I will now talk about how it's all also segregated, separated, different, isolated. You have your email exists over in this corner and your TV's in that room over there. And if you want to use your even even more recently stuff, oh, you got your video calls, been on your computer and your... Your books are over here, and your Google's on the computer, and there's all kind of separate. Computer has a lot of functionality, but it's sitting on your desk, and it's separated from the other aspects of your life. You get in your car, it does its own thing. You get on the train, it does its own thing. You leave your house, you leave all that behind. Even in the beginnings of cell phones, you still kind of had a separation. Most of the time, you're going to have camera as a separate concept. All these things are isolated, so it makes it easier to not be too connected to all of them. But we have a new challenger approaching, a new concept on the horizon that is already working its way into our lives. And it is called IoT, a little nerdy word, the Internet of Things. And it's the future uh, of what I am calling hyperconnectivity, the future of everything under one basket in one little thing. I don't know if anyone of you guys saw the 90s film Smart House, but it's a similar concept. 
We're about to enter a world where the Internet of Things or IoT is pretty much a secondary Internet, a wave, uh, a net, you could say, around you and your house and yourself and your person and your family. A net that is all-encompassing that kind of has one hive mind. I'm talking about the ability for all of our devices to communicate and for things that were never devices to be devices. I'm talking about Ceres and Alexis. My father's house. You walk in the house. No, nay. You wake up in the morning, tired, pajamas on, and you say, Alexa. My Alexa's about to go off in the living room. You say, Alexa, can you please start my coffee and turn on the kitchen lights and turn on CNN, please? Fox News, please? It's probably a little more realistic for my dad's house. Can you, can you just turn everything on for me? Can you start the coffee? Not too crazy. Still kind of a cutting-edge concept. Most houses, you can't do that. Early adopters, such as my father, you can. You can ask for all these things to happen, and they will. Who's to say in the next 10 years, and, and I am to say, I will say, I am to say in the next 10 years, something like this might be the case. You wake up and you say, can you let out the dog? Can you uh, open up the back door for her? And can you start the coffee? And can you get the kids up? And uh, put, out, put out my blue... Chambray work shirt. Stephen King reference. Please, can you do that for me? Oh, house. Whatever you want to call the house. Maybe the house will be called Janet. Maybe it'll be called Pablo. Clive. It seems... Nice. That's a weak word. It seems invigorating, these concepts. The concepts that we can just kind of have this overarching connectivity where uh, you can make Southern Wall, can you play this television show on the South Wall? And the South Wall lights up, and it's a TV. But so is your North Wall. So is the all the walls and all the house, because it's all connected. Right now, this is so far away. Some of this stuff is super expensive, if even possible. But in the next 20 years, 10 years, whatever, it's going to become very, very common. These things are happening. I'm not talking science fiction. Cell phones used to be science fiction. The Internet of Things, that net of connectivity with a, uh, an AI controlling it all, is in our future. And it is coming quick. It might be something that our children are raised with. Like the Velt, to quote a short story. Ray Bradbury, give it a read. Lines at the end of it. This bubble of technology will follow us everywhere if we let it get to this point. And if I'm going to talk about cell phones, I think this is kind of the step, right? You have cell phones first. They're in your pocket. They're full of technology. Then what do you have? You have smartwatches. And if you think about smartwatches, they're only getting smarter. This fall, they didn't even release a new smartphone. I wonder why, Apple. I wonder why. There's not a new smartphone being released. Per usual, it was not announced in September. But what was announced? New smartwatch with a new iOS and new all these things. I think the reason is because cell phones are about to become clunky and outdated. Why have something in your pocket when you can have it on your wrist? And already... Smartphones are important. Smartphones can give you, you can do texts, you can do calls. You look like a dick if you're doing calls off your smartwatch. Looking at you, my roommate, Justin, looking at you. But this is yet something that people are doing more of. Soon we're going to be able to do stuff, do QR scanning on your smartwatches now. Next, you're going to be able to say, hey, smartwatch. Well, probably now. I can't do it, but you can say, hey, smartwatch, can you turn this on? Can you turn that on? And then eventually these smartphones won't be needed. And there's a few reasons this could happen. Reason the first, and this is huge right now. A lot of tech people are saying this is going to come up. Um, if you've seen Minority Report, this is going to sound familiar to you. 
digital screen, holograms up out of your smartwatch. And that's like having a whole cell phone, but digital hologram on your smartwatch. So it's the physical device is small and attached to your wrist, but you can send a text just like you're on a phone. Again, this is stuff that seems far away. But in the next 10 years, I can see it happening. In the next 10 years, most of you should see it happening. If you don't see it happening, your blinders are on and you're not thinking about the future, how fast this stuff changes. 10 years ago, we wouldn't be thinking of a foldable phone with, or one of those, I just saw a phone that has going to have two displays, going to have a vertical and a horizontal at all times. You can flip it up into a regular looking phone or you can separate it into a vertical and a horizontal T-shape so you can watch TV while you're typing to your friend. Multitasking people. What's the worst part about cell phones? They're getting rid of the ports. They're getting rid of all the breakable parts. You're going to have, eventually, the camera's going to be under the glass, which is going to be, whoo. Soon it's going to have, there's going to be no ports. There's going to be no noticeable buttons, bezels, anything. It's going to be a flat piece of glass. And then next, they're going to make it unbreakable. And they're going to have a flat piece of unbreakable glass. That's great. What's the next step? I almost just dropped my phone. What's the next step? The next step is keeping it on your wrist, getting rid of this physical... Getting rid of the whole dropping the phone concept. We're going to just have it on our wrists. And then after that, what's the next step? After it's on our wrist, it's in our wrists. It's in our bodies. It's on our fingers or something. It's going to be implanted. And implants sound crazy. But they won't sound crazy to your kids. Your kids will be saying, please, God, why can't I have an implant? All my friends can just link up on PlayStation 12 in their heads. They don't got to, like, text each other. And I'm clunky on the phone. Kids, I understand. I got a galaxy. It's tough out here. It's going to be even tougher when everyone else has implanted smartwatches and you're stuck with an IKEA-looking-ass iPhone 22. iPhone XX Omega. So I think that's a big thing to think about. Again, I'm kind of just puking tech at you, ideas that have no basis. But let's get into some of the impacts of this. The impacts of how this cellular technology being more and more easy and more and more connected. The benefit of it is that we're going to have more time. This is huge and this is nice. I've told you that we have an, on average 10 more hours a week to communicate, 10 more hours a week to um, do what we want. And we kind of use that for social media and mindless tasks that make us feel like we have less time, but we do have more time. And all these tech things are going to do are give us more of that time. For example, right, we're going to have driverless cars. So you'll be able to do work before you even get into the office. You'll be able to, to do your side projects on the morning and call all your grandparents and family members in the afternoon, on the night, on the way home. You're going to have to worry about the hour-long commute. You'll be able to go farther away. And it's going to maybe make sub suburbs better. Right now, people are fleeing cities. Do you know how much easier it'll be if you don't actually have to drive in? Similar to a train, right? The car's in a grid going 200 miles an hour because there's no risk involved every day, and you're just typing, typing, typing the whole way to work, it'll be like everyone's on the train. So it'll make suburbs more viable, public transportation and private transportation linking up and mixing into one concept. This time is good in that regard. It's also good in terms of the morning. You can wake up and just say, computer, do this, computer, do that, computer, do that. Can you compile these files for the day? Can you do this? And you just get to sit around. You don't have to actually do anything. This could lead us to a Wally type situation. This could also lead us to a situation where you have more free time and more creativity. You're going to see stuff like labor jobs go away. You're going to see mindless work, no offense, blue-collar people, or, or I'm even talking doctors. General physicians are going to go away. Because what good is a general physician when you have an AI 
that can compile all the different symptoms ever while reading your bio scans, while re asking you questions and watching your physical responses to a point better than any human could and tells you, boom, ding, 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 you can have one of these four things. And then maybe a doctor comes in and double checks it or whatever. But you're going to watch a lot of those jobs go away. So it's not even just blue collar. You're going to watch a lot of the jobs that can be done by computers getting done. This is already starting to happen. The stuff that's going to matter is the creative stuff. The stuff that we can't get robots to do. The human shit is going to matter. You're going to see more of it. So maybe our work week's going to get cut in half. We're going to have 20-hour work weeks because we're going to have robots doing half the fucking work. Less people having jobs. We don't need them to have jobs because we got robots doing it for them. The economy's propping itself up with the labor of, of, of robotics industry, and we have more time to exist and do our thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. At the end of the day, it'll probably be a thing at some point in my lifetime. I'm a young guy. In my lifetime. The negative to this time is that it might make us forget some of those things we love, some of those routines. I was just talking to my uh, roommate, aforementioned Justin, about this himself. He loves the routine of making coffee in the morning. So maybe he'll still do it, but eventually people will stop. Eventually everyone will be not making their own coffee, and you'll have robots making coffee or something. And as this communication and this technology changes, we're going to watch, especially if we're doing this mindlessly, as we currently are with something as simple as social media, mindlessly and unhealthily, we might watch some of our favorite things erode, some of our communicative habits erode. We're going to no longer gather around the campfire, we're going to be sitting in our houses with the smell of campfire and the, maybe the, our own little fire, but we're not going to have to leave. And I wonder the impact that'll have on us. Since it's something that we'll be able to do, we're maybe not going to feel as bad about it as now, when we can't leave the house. But I wonder if chemically, if psychologically, it won't have the same impact. I wonder if we won't see depression skyrocket even more than it already is. I wonder if we won't see isolation become a problem even more than it already is. But by the time we get to that point, it will be too late. You'll already have the youngest generation saying, we're doing this regardless of what you want, mom and dad. We're already going to have... Have you guys ever seen Years and Years? It's a great show. It's a British show, miniseries. goes over the course of years, like 2016 all the way to like 2040. And you, you just kind of watch fast as tech changes and the way it impacts a family. And the youngest generation does stuff like that. They can put emojis on their face in real time. And the parents hate it. Stop putting emojis on your face when we're having dinner. Girl puts a crying emoji on. Why do you guys not understand me? She ends up getting integrated into a robot. That kind of shit. Seems crazy, but it could happen. And if it happens, I wonder, will our societies fracture more than they already are? With grumpy old fucks like me saying, I don't want it. And young people saying, you dumb old man, get off the pot if you ain't gonna piss. It's our time. You don't understand. Everyone wants to be cyborg. Or will we say no? Will we say, I don't want this? I don't know the answer, folks. I don't know the answer. But it makes me reflect. The way we communicate today makes me reflect. It makes me reflect on myself, my own habits as a conversationalist, as a person in society, as a friend, as a significant other, as a son, whatever. It makes me think about what matters to me. I, I find communication to be huge. This is why I do a podcast. I'll say multiple podcasts. This is why I am getting into media because media is interesting. Media communicates ideas and storytelling is huge to me. That story I painted at the beginning of this show, sitting on a campfire talking, this kind of stuff is what makes me happy in life. And I'm watching it change. I'm watching the way I communicate change. 
as I rely more on cell phones, as I rely more on social media. And I know you guys do too, and we're getting to a point where we're thinking about it. So let's continue that conversation. Let's continue to think and be critical. Let's continue to question the way we communicate with each other and what the healthiest way to do it is. I am pro-cell phone. I'm pro-internet. I'm pro-future because we're all so smarter now. The average kid is smarter than they ever were because I can look up politics whenever I want, at whatever age I feel fit, as opposed to having to wait till I've been on this earth for so long. I'm getting books and I'm kind of listening to the news as you get old. If I have a question about anything, you should look at my Google history, man. If you have a question about anything, you can get it answered in a minute and then you know the answer. For a long time, people had to go get books and shit to figure that out. And as a result, there was more conjecture, more opinion, because you're not going to get a book for everything. So you got to kind of listen to whoever sounds like they know the most, but no longer. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But no longer do you have to rely on the older brother with the fucking bong in his room telling you how the world is. No longer do you have to rely on your drunk friend saying, swear, swear to God, I took a class on this. Nowadays, you get to know. With that knowledge and that ability comes a responsibility. With the social aspect of the way we communicate comes a responsibility to each other to communicate healthily. I think that's what I want to leave on. I want to leave on that concept. It is fall. A time for thinking. A time for remembrance. A time for self-understanding or at least the quest for that. So I challenge you all after this episode to think about how you use your technology. Don't change it. Not yet. But think. Everyone seems to want to think. Everyone seems to be watching The Social Dilemma. It's a big documentary everyone's watching right now. Everyone's going on cleanses, clearing out their Instagram followers, getting rid of Instagram itself. Don't act ha rashly, harshly, hastily. Don't act with fervor and passion and then regret it or fall right back into it like a fad diet a month later. Make real change and really question your relationships with those around you because it's just going to get more complex the more tech we get, the more ability our phones have. So next time your phone's up for an upgrade, Decide what you want. Just because it has a nicer camera and you can afford it. Does that mean you should get it? Does it mean you should grab that phone? Or maybe you should wait or get something cheaper and use that money on savings or on something that you find more important, a passion project, a set of paints, whatever. So think about that, dear listener. We're going to have episodes releasing weekly. Most of these are going to be pre-recorded and then released on a weekly schedule. They're going to be up everywhere, iTunes, Spotify. They're also, and I, I should probably put this at the beginning of the show, there's also going to be notes, show notes. I'm writing for each of these. I'm writing a little couple page long essay or um, story or diary entry, whatever the fuck you want to call it. This this one's kind of a essay, I think. Based, it's like four pages already. But I'm kind of writing show notes for all these and they're going to go on my website, which I will put at the top of the show for you. But I'll say it again here. It's jonathansherburn.com. You can access the audio there. You can also access these writings and you can access this audio anywhere. So I want to say thank you for listening. It's another episode of the Nightcap Podcast with me, John Sherburn, your lovely host. I want to thank you for your time and your patience. I hope you got to the end of the episode and I will see you next week. So love yourself because I love you. La-da-dee, la-da-doo.